0: Oh yeah, it's the pre-race show for Dakar Rally Daily. This is the first episode of 2022. And I'm Jesse Ziegler. And I'm Quinn Cody. And we're sitting in the Cycle News studio. Um, I got a special announcement to make right away. We have corporate sponsorship this year.
1: It's very, very
0: pumped. Very proud to welcome Climb on board as the title sponsor. So now, whenever we say it, we have to say, the Climb Dakar Rally Daily Climb Show.
1: We really, we really weren't going to do this again, and then, uh, <laughs> but climb, climb called us and said, "You guys really need to do that podcast again." So yeah, uh,
0: we were able really, to make it work. We really wanted to do it, but we were being asked not to do it by other people in our families. Yeah, but thanks to the good folks at Climb, we're here. We're back again. We got more support coming to share with you as we get into the episodes down the line. We got some presenting sponsors. We got some people on board that want to help us out, and we're just thankful that they're here to help us bring Dakar Rally Racing to you because it's insane. It's bananas. It's crazy. It's not getting any more normal out there.
1: Not at all. Not at all. There's some, there's some big changes for 2022. We've got riders switching it up, teams, bikes,
0: different, some different rules. It's going to be so much drama this year. Not, not, nothing we can predict right now. That's one thing that we learned last year's Dakar Rally yep. is not predictable. You knew that already. We well, we we kind of thought we could predict it last year, but we were clearly
1: super wrong and uh, not good and at predicting. So this who was year, win. Um, yeah,
0: I I have no predictions. That's not true. I'm making you predict every day who's going to win the stage and who's going to come out with the points lead.
1: Oh, yeah, we did that, huh?
0: Yeah, we're doing that again. Oh, it's not going to be good for us, but we're doing it still. All right. We have already interviewed some really cool people. Prior to this show, but because it's Christmas, Christmas was like yesterday. And because we have families, we can't just work all the time. So we had some Christmas time. And now we're going to do a pre show to kind of talk about the race. Like you said, all the people that are mixing it up on teams, new bikes coming out, and then uh, go over the route a little bit. And then there's some interesting rule changes this year that are probably going to affect the outcome of the race um, in positive and negative ways for people. And uh, that's about it. Then we'll start doing interviews later in the week. Yep. I'm excited.
1: Now, this is going to be good this year. And, uh, you know, we're excited to be back. And, you know, it's going to be a, a fun, long January, but, uh, you know, lots Thanks. and lots to talk about.
0: Thanks to Climb and their aggressive meat snacks that they supplied us today. Climb makes a lot of good stuff. They make helmets, they make, you know, gloves, riding gear. They also make beef jerky.
1: Yeah. I might have been freezing my whole body yesterday, but I had a pair of warm climb gloves on, Yep, some snowmobile gloves. (laughs) My hands were super comfy.
0: It helps. If your hands are warm, you're generally more comfortable. So get some good climb gloves if you're going to ride this winter. Uh, Let's start with riders mixing stuff up. What do you think uh, the biggest shakeup is? I mean, I know who it is, but I want you to say it so I can tell you that you're wrong.
1: Yeah. I mean, Clearly, if you haven't been following social media and, and all the PR from the manufacturers, I think that the biggest one is, is our Dakar champion, Kevin Benavides. He made the switch from Honda to KTM this year. So, um, you know, just it's not that often. a big
0: surprise that, that you would just switch your team after winning the race.
1: Yeah, for sure. It's not that often that, uh, you know, a former champion switches teams. I, I can't really remember the last time it happened, quite honestly, in rally racing.
0: Yeah, because once it, once you figure out the winning combination to do that race successfully, like that team wants to keep you there, and you don't want to leave and try to redo that again on a new team.
1: Yeah, for sure. I think that Honda had a good formula last year, and everything really worked in their favor. So it was it was quite surprising. that Yeah,
0: second year in a row they just came out, yeah. got it done.
1: So, yeah, for sure.
0: Uh, what uh, inside information? What do you think was the reason he made the switch?
1: Well. You know, I I know both of the Benavides brothers and uh, I spent some time with them this summer and and you know, basically it, it comes down to really Kevin, he's a he's a KTM guy. He grew up riding KTMs, racing KTMs in South America. Mm-hmm. His family owns a KTM dealership and yep. so it's always been kind of his dream to ride for Red Bull KTM and he got the opportunity this year and it was I think really a tough decision for him personally, but he, I think it ultimately came down to the fact that he he may not ever get another shot to, kind of live out his childhood dream and ride Being for on the KTM team of his dreams and you know finish his his career on a KTM, uh, you know owning a, well, a big KTM dealership in in Salta, Argentina, which mm-hmm. is their family business and and Kevin actually is quite active in the shop and he runs runs a lot of the day-to-day business there. So okay. um, it was pretty important to him, I think, is to really kind of finish out his career on a KTM. And, you know.
0: There he is. Yep. he so, made it. There we he are. went there. So it'll be interesting to see if he can carry that momentum or if Honda still has it figured out. I mean, that's going to be the biggest storyline above the board is, you know, is, is what team is going to be the strongest again this year through this crazy two-week-long race.
1: For sure. And, you know, uh, another one of the, you know, that kind of filled Kevin's spot was uh, Pablo Quintanilla made a yep. switch from Husqvarna to Honda. Yep. Uh, his spot, I, I don't, I think it was more of a forced switch. Uh yeah. Husqvarna really wanted uh, Skyler Howes, the American. So now we have Skyler Howes on the factory Husqvarna. Yep. Which is really cool. Really for cool. Us, we got a Americans. great interview
0: with him that we'll play this week. Um, you got to, Definitely stay tuned for that. It's nice talking to Skyler after he reached that dream too. Um, but yeah, like Pablo Quintanilla is former world rally champion. So he's won the FIM world championship. He's placed really well at Dakar a few times. He's raced 10 Dakars. He's over 10, 10 or more, whatever that means. It's yep. a lot. Um, and uh, didn't perform up to his probably potential Recently, and then you know, Husky wanted to make room for Skyler, it sounds like, or for you know, team in general, shake up and out yep. goes Pablo, and in comes Skyler. I mean, we, we kind of
1: said it before is that you know, the, the factory guys, the, their number one rule is not to get beat by a, by a guy on a rental bike. And Skyler, <laughs> yeah. Skyler did that last year, and he, he yep. got Pablo's ride, right? Uh, luckily for Pablo, he landed on his feet and you know, with a, with a sweet ride at Honda
0: and was performing already in Morocco.
1: Yep. Really well. And he seems motivated and he seems really, you know, kind of happy there. So I think his role is going to be more of a supporting role for, for the younger guys, but, um, you know, we'll see. I mean, he may knock off some stage wins and, and possibly be there in the end.
0: Right. Yep. Then we got, uh, Sunderland, longtime KTM factory, Red Bull KTM factory racing rider made the switch to join, uh, daniel sanders uh coming off a great rookie season on the gas gas team so kind of moving next door in the race shop from yep. ktm over to the gas gas factory effort so now you know two two guys on each team well multiple guys on each team ktm husqvarna and gas gas this year
1: yep yeah so we've got you know two uh two factory husqvarna riders two yep. factory gas gas riders and then three factory red bull ktm riders
0: and don't forget the next KTM factory rider who just got off of a MotoGP career, you know, Daniel Petrucci, yeah. which is going to be like really interesting to see for me. Yeah, this is- I this mean, is. that's a big jump. And the footage of him riding looks great. He looks like he can ride a rally bike in the sand dunes. But man, a rally race for two weeks, that's pretty gnarly. Yeah, he's gonna he's gonna have a lot to learn, and, and coming in
1: your kind of first real competitive rally, and coming in
0: mm-hmm. the big at, dog that
1: car <laughs> on a factory bike with a factory team. Yeah, uh, they, you know they say there's no pressure, no expectations, but a, a guy like that's always gonna put pressure on himself. To yeah, a huge
0: competitor, like yeah. MotoGP competitor. You're not gonna be like satisfied going for a tourist ride out there, and you're on the world's best equipment, arguably the world's best team. Yeah, definitely, and
1: I think the learning curve is going to be steep for him. And you know, I I don't expect to see uh, any miracle performances. I think yeah. he, he'd just be happy to get through it and and survive it. And I think it was a little bit of a, a parting gift from from KTM to, to
0: show some appreciation you know. for his contribution to the MotoGP team. He's been there for yeah. years now, contributing. You. Yeah. know. Yeah, heavily he, to that
1: he had the dream of racing dakar and and so you know when who doesn't he yeah, his his <laughs> kind of time on the moto gp circuit it was coming to an end and so they made room for him to give mm-hmm. him kind of a i guess a parting gift as you'd say and and give him the opportunity to ride dakar so it's a pretty pretty cool gift for sure
0: yeah it is cool um you know ktm still even though they haven't won in a couple of years they're still considered the strongest team out there just by their legacy in the sport um but there's more teams coming um not not only honda who put in a ton of time and a ton of money and a ton of work into this you know the sierra 450 rally bike to make it massively competitive but now you know yamaha's in multiple years now with competitive teams that had just shit luck last year like yeah all their bikes didn't make it yeah.
1: or the writers didn't make it. No, nobody, no Yamaha made it to the finish last yeah. year on, on the factory team. And, yep. you know, it was, it was a shame for them, but uh, you know, they went back and, and kind of went back to the drawing board and worked on their, their reliability and, yep, you know, they're, they're back this year. And so hopefully they've kind of worked their issues out. Yeah,
0: we talked to Andrew Short, so we got a little insight into that coming up this week before the race starts about, you know, sort of where they're at, um, the team dynamics, that kind of stuff. Sounds like the team's in a pretty good place. Um, uh, they lost a guy. Franco Kaimi was on the team last year, and he moved over to the Hero Motorsports team, which, again, another factory effort. The Hero brand, you know, humongous motorcycle manufacturer based out of India, like the world's largest motorcycle manufacturer in some ways, depending on what segment of motorcycles you look at. Um, they have a factory team with Joaquim Rodriguez, you know, definitely a legend in off-road motorcycling, supercross racing, motocross racing. Yep. And then they have a new guy. Uh, I forgot his name already. Aaron, Aaron Murray. Yeah. Aaron Murray, maybe South African. Correct. Yeah, I, bl- I believe so. Yes. Yeah. South African guy. Cause, um, Franco's broken. Yep. Yep. Broke his wrist or his arm
1: so the, the you know and the hero guys that's a that's a
0: really experienced team they've been
1: around for a long time they've mm-hmm. uh you know they started out uh, as a factory bmw team way back um and you know have gone through uh, early husqvarna years and then mm-hmm. the, the team principal wolfgang fisher actually ran the uh, honda program for a couple of years and then mm-hmm. he came back as speed brain and now yep. converted to Hero. So they've been Hero the last couple of years. And I believe they have a new bike this year.
0: Yeah, it's kind of under wraps under that Hero branding and logo. It's got a similar bodywork on it. So we can't really see what's going on down there. We need yep. a guy, inside guy at Hero. But your days at Speedbrain Husqvarna are over. Yeah. So you we can't can really help
1: me. Wolfie, Wolfie and I still, we still chat sometimes. So right. We're going to call him. Give him a call and
0: find out. Okay. We're calling Wolfie. That'll be fun. Uh, what's what other guys are on your radar for uh, racers that are going to be, sort of, up there, grabbing some good finishes, maybe knocking down some potential to win. Clearly, KTM's full of them. Matthias Wagner, Toby Price, uh, the the, the whole team. Yeah, it's gonna really be it, strong. You know, I think that's
1: the big mystery going into this year is yeah. is how the new KTM's going to perform.
0: Yes, it is the big mystery, Quinn. And I keep asking you about it and you won't tell me. Quinn actually rode this bike. They came out to the U.S. This isn't top secret information, so I won't get in trouble for saying this. They brought that bike out here to prove it in the United States. Dakar Rally, proving grounds Since This is where people go to race Dakar Rally now. Because our podcast revealed that fact last year, the whole factory team flew out here in jumbo jets, dropping rally bikes from parachutes out in the desert. And Quinn <laughs> gobbled them up. And went proving grounds with all the factory racers, and he won't tell me anything about it. He's sworn to secrecy.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I can't say a whole lot about you know the performance of the bike and 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 everything else and you know, but it you can unfortunately, test, yeah, you can test year round, but until you sure. get the thing into a race situation, it's it's really difficult to to know how it's going to perform and yeah. you know and how the riders are going to wor- agree with it because everybody. Everybody's a little bit different. I mean, you see across the KTM team, Husqvarna team, you have you know Toby and Skyler who are you know six to yeah, 200 pounds, pounds. Big, strong big, big riders. Yeah, and then you've got guys like uh, Luciano Benavides, who's you know <laughs> maybe barely hundred sixty pounds. <laughs> pounds. Yeah, he's, a, <laughs> he's, he's a little guy. And and his brother Kevin. They're yep. They're not they're not big, big guys. Yeah. So, you know, the bike has to work for everyone, and it's going to be interesting to see how everybody gels with the new bike. Um, you know, I, I, clearly, I think durability is not an issue with KTM. They've they yeah. done the testing, and, and that's kind of what, what I was a part of was the durability team. And we did, you know, close to, close to 100 hours on the bike here this last summer and mm. really kind of just ran it through, you know, a lot of chassis durability, engine durability, stuff like that.
0: That's what he keeps um, telling me anyway. Yeah. I think they were testing new race gas injection systems. <laughs> Is it a two-stroke? It might be a two-stroke. Yeah. Two Could strokes be. are back. Could be, I can't say. Uh it looks it looks quite a bit different. Um and I know like the new factory edition KTM 450s are coming out with completely new you know frame geometry new shock placements and stuff like that and you can see some of that in this new bike like it's shared technology or shared direction of motorcycle technology so it'll be interesting yeah, to I see mean, what it, else we can find hard, about it's not it. hard it's not hard to find really yeah. there's, there's pictures <laughs>
1: out there of, of the bike stripped down you yeah. know on the internet and you can see you can see the new chassis you can see everything yeah um, i
0: could so, look on the internet yeah you know I'm not going to i'm just going to keep asking you Um, I think I'm interested most to see if Honda can just keep winning like they have, you know, the last couple of years and at the last race in Morocco, they rode really well there. Yeah,
1: for sure. And, you know, that was one of the, one of the first outings for the, for the new KTM was, was there. And you see, you know, we had a couple of guys on the old bike, a couple of guys Mm -hmm. on the new bike and still testing, you know, they're still kind of race testing the bike. And so, Mm -hmm you know, you can't take too, you can't read too far into that on, on results and time because there's a lot of, lot of different things that are happening and, yeah, you know, it, but for sure the Honda guys were fast and, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how, uh, you know, Quintanilla works on the Honda and also, you know, uh, Nacho Cornejo, I mean, he was, he was super fast last year and yep. he navigated really well. he, he led out a few stages and really led from start to finish. Which Didn't is, lose time. Yeah, which is pretty rare. Which was pretty hard to do last year. And of course, Braybeck, He's uh, he's really kind of at the top of his game. And yeah, uh, finishing second last year and not not far off of uh, off of Benavides, the the champion. So it's after be really exciting. after
0: making a big error in the beginning. We talk. We have a Braybeck interview too coming this week. So don't miss that. Um, yeah, what he. What he got up to in the standings after his mistake in the beginning and then just, like, getting on the wrong end of that swing, the time swing thing yeah. really threw people for a loop last year. We're we're, we're going to discuss some of the race organization changes this year and route in a minute to try to address that. But we think Ricky is in a good place now and a good head on his shoulders to really perform well, again, as he was last year before a couple mistakes happened. But that's the race. The race is not if things are going to happen or not, if mistakes are going to happen or frustrating things, it's just, they're going to happen. How do you deal with them? How do you go forward? That's the lesson. You can't make up time if you lose it. Right. Yep. Number one, it's gone. The time's gone. Just go forward. Number two, just don't freak out. (laughs) (laughs) Like like keep your head on your shoulders.
1: I mean, that that's the biggest thing with rally is just keeping a cool head and and realizing that you have, you know, you have to do this for another 10 days. And so, you know, if, if on the first or second stage you lose, you lose some time, you just really, you have to just forget about it and move on and, you know, hope or not even hope, just know that the other guys are going to have struggles because if you're struggling, someone else is going to struggle and it's going to come up on them too. It might not be today or tomorrow, but it's going to
0: happen. Yeah. They're going to hit a wall. So if you if you just are new to rally or if somebody just told you about this podcast and you're like, hey, I want to listen to that because I'm interested and I know a little bit about it, let's put it into perspective for you a little bit what kind of race this is. This isn't a two-day enduro. This isn't a six-day international, you know, six days enduro. Um, this is 12 days, 14 stages, 12 days of racing.
1: Yep. So... I believe it's yeah, it's twelve well, real
0: days. There's one special days that starts the race kind off,
1: of the, kind of a prologue day. Yeah, but it's a prologue day. The guys are still on the bike for over 800 kilometers on that,
0: <laughs> which is that 500 kind miles.
1: Kind of, yeah, yeah, half day. So that that's what's called a, a liaison stage or a transfer stage, where mm-hmm. you know basically the guys have to ride to the start of the special test. And some days it's, you know, 500 kilometers, some days it's 200 kilometers in the morning and 300 kilometers in the afternoon after the special. So these, these big long liaisons are kind of what makes rally unique because it's, it's wearing you down, but you're not on the clock. You're just,
0: you're just being being, ground
1: down. Exactly. Being exposed to the elements, sitting on a, on a 450 CC bike, bike. riding down the highway. Um, You know, it's cold, it's windy, it's, dusty i mean you're in saudi arabia you're you know eating from the gas station or eating power bars out of your pocket because you're, yep. you're on
0: the motorcycle all day long yeah so. you don't have time to stop and get a sandwich and yep. barely even stretch your legs so total total race distances here folks over uh, i mean it's it's two weeks of racing it's 8,375 kilometers long so that's 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 just the total race distance. So that counts liaisons, that counts you know, from the motor home area to the gas stop, from the gas stop to the start of the race, do the it's race the section. Route. It's the entire route, everything. Of that race distance, there's 4,258 of those kilometers are timed. So half of the race, half of the total distance, you're on the clock, you're racing against your competitors, and every second counts Yep. for 4,000 kilometers
1: for sure. So you think about that, that's, <laughs> that's, a, that's a lot of racing for sure. I mean,
0: 4,000 kilometers. Yeah. That's, I don't know, 2,500 miles,
1: 500 miles. Yeah. Almost 3,000 miles. So that's, yeah, it's a, it's a lot of time on the clock and, you know, you say, we say it on the clock, but you know, even the liaison stages,
0: there's, there's stresses.
1: You, you have to be on time. You can't lose time there, but you
0: can't get to the start of the next time section an hour behind. You're supposed to be there.
1: Yeah. If you're dinking around and, you know, stopping and doing stuff, then you don't make it on time. Then you start incurring penalties and pretty soon you're, you know, you you've lost time off the clock. So not only liaisons are still important, but then the special is, is under full race conditions. So these guys are going flat out and some of the specials are, are quite long. I mean, I think we we've seen, you know, some yeah. of the specials are close to almost 500 500k. Kilometers. There's one, I think, two, three. 465 kilometers is the
0: longest. That's special. the longest, yeah, special section. And when we say special, we mean time. So you, you, you start at a banner out in the desert or a sign in the desert, and there's a guy that counts down five, four, three, two, one, beep. You go. It's a time trial to the end of that stage. The first one, which qualifies, you is 19 kilometers. It's a sprint. It's just a positioning game. The next one's three hundred and thirty-four kilometers. Yeah. So and the next a, race, the next day, is almost two hundred miles long.
1: Yeah. And and it's a marathon stage. So <laughs> yeah. technically speaking, yeah. between day these guys two are, and three. Yeah, they're sleeping. You know, basically the first day into the race, they're sleeping in a, some kind of a barrack or something with a whole yeah. bunch of other guys. Uh, no mechanics, no outside assistance, so they have to run the same tire for
0: day 2 part and, three. One and
1: part 2 of the marathon stage. So yeah. uh you know it's really kind of interesting the way the ASO has put this thing together this right. year and they're, they're so trying on, to
0: kind of mix it up right from the start. So on one hand there's the grand scale of the race which is you know 3000 miles of racing and yep. and you know uh, 5000 miles of riding we'll say. The other um side of that coin is that's hard enough. Sprint it go do it. Everybody have the best chance they can to be the fastest guy. The other side of that is strategy and strategy based on plans or strategy based on dealing with the mistakes that are going to happen and trying to position yourself the best you can to react to those. And right off the bat this year, there's a, there's some going to be some strategy coming in. Um, that makes this race so intricately complicated every day to, to, fan, super nerds like myself, that that's why we started this podcast is just to talk about it and like get into the details and decipher what exactly happened that day and what maybe is going to happen the next day and then talk about it again. And that's, yeah. what's so cool about it. Every time I start researching it, it's just blows me away the magnitude of the race and how complicated it is every day.
1: For sure. I mean, if you're, if you're someone who's new and maybe doesn't understand rally racing completely and, and are listening to this podcast, you hear us yeah. talking about all this, <laughs> all this strategy and all this other BS and it, It's so complicated and the, you know, the way you finish on one day is, is maybe that's how you start the next day. So you're going to be, there's advantages and disadvantages to starting first versus starting 10th. And, you know, so the guys are always strategizing and you're going to see big time swings where guys lose big time one day, but then they make it all back and then some the next day.
0: Yep. And the reason they do that, again, if you're new to this, or maybe you just didn't pay attention to rally until from last year is Of that 2,600 miles of racing that they're doing on the clock, it's not on a race course. It's on a a pre-ran course that is marked by a paper instruction booklet and you have a compass heading. So you have to know how to navigate through this terrain on the right tracks, roads, dirt, through open sand dunes, hit specific waypoints without a GPS signal telling you where to go all based on a navigation uh, system that is developed for racing. And it's not, it's not navigation like your phone tells you where to go. It's navigation by looking at a note on a piece of paper, matching that with a kilometer distance, yeah. and then changing your compass heading to go where the note tells you to go. That's, that's basically it in a nutshell. And paying attention to other notes like, hey, watch out for a cliff. Yeah, so I mean, I think 30 minutes before the start, they hand each
1: rider a, a paper scroll and that paper scroll has a has a series of notes on it. They're they're called tulips and it's literally a roll of paper. Load, yeah, it's, it's not
0: <laughs> it's not a USB drive. It's a yep. piece of paper still.
1: So you have to load this thing into a roadbook reader on your bike
0: and um which is just a you know, machine that unrolls it and rolls it up again.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, so you have to match your mileage. You have an odometer and you have a compass heading or compass re- repeater. And you have to match your mileage with the mileage on the road book. And then there's usually a, a little notation or a tulip note is what it's called. And it's like an arrow with a junction in the road. Yeah. And you have to match your mileage with the picture in the road book. Mm-hmm. And then normally, depending on the on the note, there there's a cap heading there maybe. Yeah. And then, so you look at if it, if the compass heading says, you know, 285, then you have to ride your bike until you're headed 285 degrees mm-hmm. and it matches up and then you continue on. And so that's that when we talk about navigation and we talk about the road book, that's basically what these guys are doing is they're, they're trying to follow the road book through the desert on. Sometimes there's a road there. Sometimes there's no road there. Sometimes it's a vague track. Um, you know the the organization has gone through 6 months prior and laid out this route so it's sometimes not the freshest tracks yeah. and you know and then other times you'll you'll hear that they've actually raced over it the day before sometimes there's a couple loops in this race where mm-hmm. the cars are going first and then the trucks the tr- bikes will the go, bikes over will go back over
0: the car race at some other point yeah
1: so and that always makes it tricky for sure so it's uh, quite quite complicated form of racing i would say
0: and that's where the navigation or that's where the time gaps wins and losses come from it's not necessarily always about hey i was fastest today it was like i made the least amount of mistakes i nailed my navigation or somebody was in front of me that was nailing the navigation and i could cue off their you know tracks in the sand a little better than they could because they didn't have anybody in front of them and i gained some time on them yeah so That's really where it's at this year's race is going to be interesting because it's yeah. again it's running the
1: opposite direction of last year so where. Yeah. Actually last year we kind of started out more in the sandy portion of the country and mm-hmm. then finished in the, in the kind of Northern Rocky area. Yep. This year it's going to start in the North and work its way through the rocks the first couple of days. And the the main point I'm trying to make about that is that when you're in the sand, it's easy to follow tracks. But when you're in the stony kind of Rocky stuff, it's a lot more difficult to follow tracks. So mm-hmm. navigation the the time that gets made up is not as is not as great as it would be say in a dune stage where mm-hmm. a guy can start twentieth place and ride all the way up to you know
0: top five first or second and, yeah. yeah
1: make up twenty minutes on the guy that's trying to lead through the dunes
0: right got you that's where the disadvantage of being out front. Yeah. comes in to play and more so even, in the dunes yeah
1: even if you're not navigating if you've ever ridden in the, in the sand dunes if you've ever yeah. ridden in glamis it, it's so much easier to follow a guy than yeah. it is to go first because this, the sun when the sun gets to a certain position over your head and and the light's not right you can't yeah. tell whether the dunes dropping away or it's going up you can't really yeah. read the the terrain but if you can see tracks then you can see where the guy like let off the throttle hit the brakes yeah you know, it maybe, gives
0: you some contrast in the visual so you can be like see a shadow and know where the direction goes a yep. little bit and that's
1: a huge difference. Breaks up breaks up the surface of the sand and so yeah. it doesn't it doesn't all blend into one. Yep. And you know, and if you have a, a head to follow, like if you see someone on a bike in front of you, it's even easier and yeah. you can actually kind of let someone else lead and it takes a lot less energy riding through the sand dunes. So yep. you know, there's all these little strategies that that play into the to the event.
0: There's gonna be twelve days of this. Uh, 12 stages of this going on over two weeks from January 1st to the 14th, all year. That's how you start the new year, Dakar. It's amazing. Yeah. I love it. Yeah, we're going uh, clockwise. Clockwise, uh, this, clockwise year. this year. Starting up high. Uh, that big liaison stage leads Jeddah, Saudi Arabia. goes all the way up to Hale and then does a loop up there. And then we go just clockwise out into the empty quarter, they call it place where nobody is and nobody ever goes and
1: it's basically just a, a basically sea just of sand abandoned
0: you know? desert in saudi arabia and uh, scenery is going to be pretty crazy cool i'm sure tv coverage will be nice but our coverage is going to be better because we're going to actually talk to people that are there <laughs> yeah it's going to be great so yeah let's go over the route a little bit more we got huge route uh there's one marathon stage again quinn mentioned that That's where you spend the night on your own. You can't touch your bike. Uh, You can touch your bike. You can work on your bike. You remember last year, that's when Toby had his tire failure and he had zip ties all over the place and duct tape on his tire. Um, Then uh, it just keeps ripping along at 400, 350, 420, 400. Those are kilometers of racing every day over and over and over again. It doesn't drop below 300 kilometers until like the 11th. Of January then there's one at 287 and then it's cranking back up again <laughs> it's it's going to be a brutal marathon for these guys and as we talked to them in our pre-race interviews all of them said hey it's about maintaining composure and energy basically
1: yeah and you know if it, if it's anything like last year that the speeds that that they were running and these massive time swings they're are gonna just, be insane yeah it's just I mean some of those some of the stages they were averaging 70 mile an hour Across a you know for four hundred kilometers yeah, mile yeah. stage and it it's really unbelievable that they can maintain that kind of speed it and, is. and you know and day in and day out and you know last year was was kind of like a knockdown out brawl you know they they yep. were just beating the heck out of each other every single day and and riding as hard as they possibly could while
0: fighting rules intended to slow them down that didn't work at all they get they had a six tire rule last year. For the whole race, twelve yeah. stages, six tires. Yeah, completely which
1: backfired on on the ASO
0: and the didn't FIM slow anybody on down. Just made some bikes really dangerous, ruined some tires, put people on the edge. Yeah, the biggest
1: um, thing that the riders are complaining about there is that okay, fine, you can you can give us a bald tire. You can go just as fast with a bald tire. You just, just can't
0: slow down. You just can't stop. None so, of them making good traction when we accelerate. Anyway, right? But, yeah.
1: Yeah. Rally tire is a very limited height knob. It's almost like an adventure bike tire or something, you know, it doesn't have a lot of grip Mm. in the first place. So then when you have a worn out rally tire, it's a, it's a whole nother game. It's an ice skate. (laughs) Getting that big heavy bike with, you know, 30 liters of fuel in it, getting it slowed down at 110 mile an hour is pretty scary with a with a slick tire
0: so i guess that's a good transition into new rules this year uh we got a few new rules that are going to affect the motorcycle class the uh elite rally gp class, as it's called now those are like the top racers they're in their own actual class this year rally gp then there's going to be a rally two rally three classes mixed in with that and we'll talk about that as the season goes on but tire rules wiped out Oh, not, almost. not
1: entirely. They're, they're allowed 12 tires for the entire event, so one new tire per front stage rear each day.
0: Yeah, but there's some complications to that too in the rule book. We don't know how they'll be interpreted on the race course necessarily because if historically, if your teammate comes up to you and you have a tire problem, you swap wheels. You make it to the finish. If you're in contention, your teammate lollygags along. Andrew Short did it yep. for Toby Price a couple of years ago literally rode on a bare rim all the way to the finish and toby price saved a lot of time and so
1: last year that was taken out of the equation and i believe it's going to hold again this year so we shouldn't see teammates handing over tires to other other team members right you know at least in the elite class in the rally gp class yeah um from from what i understand from looking at the road or the rule book is that they're going to mark each set of wheels every day on the start so in the morning yep. you'll have and then they have to check them at the finish and make sure that you you start the the stage with the same and you finish the stage with yeah. the same <laughs> wheel set that you started with
0: right so one set of wheels tires every day way better than one every two days as it was last year yeah, um, for sure uh, the Except only exception is that
1: the marathon stage
0: right marathon stage you're stuck with the same set
1: yep which i mean if it's only one day or two days of racing and it's only happens one time during the rally. I think that's, that's pretty acceptable. And yep. You know, it, it I don't know that it's going to slow anyone down, but it just kind of helps like make it more of an authentic marathon stage rather than you know, kind of a marathon it's stage. It's going to be
0: 700 kilometers of racing on yep. those tires for those two days. Yeah. So they're going to be worn out. They'll be slick. They'll be well-worn mooses and, uh, tires in that in yeah. that bike when they get back from marathon stage
1: and, you know if you get a, a cut say like yeah. on the you know on the first day of the marathon like we saw with toby price last year he had a he had a tire cut and you know he had to figure out a way to yeah zip tie it, it to his together, bike zip tie it whatever he could do and bush mechanic you know they haven't done anything to change that so we could see
0: something similar this year because that I could think, happen any day
1: yeah he had a brand new tire going into the marathon
0: stage last year and just hit a rock a um, couple other things that are interesting the the Dakar rallies now this year, the kickoff for the FIM and FIA, if you're in the cars world rally championship. So the world championship point system for the rally now starts at Dakar and consists of multiple races because of that. They've made some scoring changes to the way that rally is scored at Dakar. Even is that you score points every stage. world championship points if you're in the rally gp class with that there's a new rule this year and you might remember this last year we talked about a little bit there was a dakar experience sort of clause in the rules that if you were a racer and you paid all this money to go to dakar in a race and got lost or had a flat tire and had to get tow trucked back to the bivouac they would let you keep racing
1: they'd let you restart the race restart
0: the race without you'd obviously lose your time for that day. So you had a contention and overall finish for the the event, but they'd let you keep racing to get the experience to, you know, hopefully get you to come back, and buy, spend some more money and come race with us again. They're extending that policy to all racers. So if you're on a factory team, you, you know, your bike breaks, something happens, you get towed back. You can go back into the race. If it's in within three days of your, a departure uh, you can only do it twice during the event, I think, and you have to get medically cleared by a doctor if it's from a crash. Yep. Um, that allows you to get points on those stages that you race further. You're clearly out of contention yep. for the overall, but you're going to get world points, which yeah. is kind of it's interesting. A, yeah,
1: it's it, it, it's kind of interesting. Traditionally, the Dakar has been a standalone event, and it hasn't been a part of any bigger series. Uh, yeah. Also, the, the big thing about Dakar was that once you once you're out, you're out. If I knew this was going to come for If you don't, yeah. If you crash and or you break your bike on the second day, you're done and you go home. And Tough so, luck. Yeah. And now they're just kind of, I guess, softening it up a little bit, letting people back in, trying to make it a little more. And and I get it. I mean, you spend a lot of money to go to Dakar. Yeah. I mean, these guys are spending hundreds <laughs> of thousands of dollars to be there racing. And you know, if you have say one stupid mechanical on the first day. Mm-hmm. And then you, you have to go home.
0: Right. Like, Yeah. That, I kind of get it for the guys that are paying their own way. Yeah. I absolutely. think that's cool. I like it because, Hey, you want those guys to come back and do it again. Number one, but you also want them to race the whole course and eat all your food that you bought already and everything like that for yeah. the factory racers and the guys that are racing for the top thing. I'm kind of with you and I know you're about this all the time. You're like, Hey, this is supposed to be hard. You're supposed to be abandoned if you don't make it and get yeah. picked up by a truck and have a bouncy ride home. Like, that's the way it's supposed to be, and you don't get a second chance. For sure. And, you know,
1: I, I mean, I get what they're trying to do, but the the FIM World Championship Rally Series has been kind of a second-rate series for,
0: you know... Compared as, to the Dakar Rally standalone event.
1: Yeah, and, it, yeah. you know, no one really follows this the series. They'll use it for preparation for Dakar, mm-hmm. and they'll do a few of them. Obviously, we, like... The factory teams have a few guys that actually follow the whole world championship yeah. and, and really compete for it. But traditionally, it's just been a, a series to prepare for Dakar.
0: Because Dakar's way longer, way harder, way more yep. prestigious. Like it's the one everybody watches it and gets all the coverage.
1: I really don't think that this rule is going to change anything. Yeah. I still think that Dakar is the big one and guys will continue to do a few of those races. Mm-hmm.
0: And, you know, but. They're trying to push more people into. The World Series.
1: Yeah, they want to make it more yep. like a MotoGP or something like that, right. where you have a, a full World Championship, and yeah. you know you compete for the. They're trying to make the the World Championship more prestigious,
0: right? I get but it.
1: Dakar is the big one. I mean, it's like it's, it's the like the Baja One Thousand. You know, you have the two fifty and the five hundred, but,
0: but people really pay attention to the
1: Baja One Thousand. Yeah, nobody really cares if you win the San Felipe two fifty.
0: <laughs> I care if you win it, Quinn.
1: Yeah been a while
0: <laughs> um yeah we talked about rally gp for the elite racers um rally two category for uh, non-elite teams or non-elite entrants into the racing um there's a new navigation rule for uh hidden waypoints or not hidden i guess but just non yeah, uh, a, non i guess they're hidden waypoints i guess you could call them that
1: yeah so it's a, it's called a waypoint precise and it's a really small Waypoint, it's it's exactly on the route, so they're only 20 meters in diameter, and um, they they show up in the roadbook, but they don't show up on the GPS
0: unit. Yeah. So and when we say no GPS way, unit, there isn't you know an iPhone GPS telling you where to go again. The GPS unit, um,
1: it's basically a validation system. Yeah, so it'll it pop up when you get that you hitting the waypoint right and it,
0: it says you're on track thumbs up keep going
1: right to where so with these new waypoint precise there is no validation so if you're on the road book then you that means you're going to hit the wpp yep. hopefully um it's a i think a two minute penalty if you if you miss one so right. if you're off 100 meters to one side and you miss it then that's that's a two minute penalty so yep. maybe some of the guys that aren't super accurate with their navigation could possibly uh miss one of those so it's it's a little bit of kind of different thinking for the guys but i I think if i was
0: racing i would have the record for the most two-minute penalties i guarantee it (laughs) (laughs) they'd be like (laughs) jesse are you trying to miss the wpps we've never had anybody miss all these on purpose before i just i'm just on the side of the course i guess a little bit Yeah, yeah
1: You know, I think the, the other one that's interesting this year is the, the stage 1A and 1B, which is basically a, a prologue stage.
0: And everybody get ready to understand this one because yeah. there is some math involved here and also sort of a class system.
1: Yeah, it, I mean, they couldn't make it any
0: more complicated. If We're going to break it down for you right now. Enter Dakar Rally stage 1A to stage 1B starting yep. order system. Here we go. Yeah.
1: So I guess we gotta stage, start at the beginning.
0: Stage one yeah. A is from scrutineering, which is you know, getting all your shit checked out. The next morning, you're gonna get on your bike if you're Ricky Brayback and start at like three thirty in the morning, and you're gonna go eight hundred and thirty four kilometers that day. You're gonna race for nineteen of those kilometers. There's a nineteen kilometer race. Yep. In the middle of this eight hundred and thirty kilometer day. That nineteen-kilometer race is very complicated to Jesse. Here's how it works out. (laughs) So you, you basically,
1: it's like a prologue stage, and and most people understand what a prologue or a you know. It sets your starting order for the real race. Yeah, yeah. So the trick with this is that it's scored by a coefficient of five, which means that for every minute that you're racing that's yeah that time is five minutes yep so if the first the winner of the stage beats you by one minute he actually beats you by five minutes yeah
0: so it's multiplying your penalty by a factor of five
1: yeah and they do this to discourage sandbagging to discourage guys say slowing down in the in the stage and you know getting a a better start position for the following day. So yep. maybe they want to start in 20th place or 50th place or whatever. And and you would see that at a lot of these, especially world championship rallies, you would see slow guys slowing down and being
0: like, I want to be 15th or 20th. Cause I know tomorrow I'm going to make up all that time. And that sets me up for the next five days. So the coefficient keeps people
1: from it's a penalty basically for sandbagging.
0: So the um, first complications out of the way, we know yeah. that your time has a coefficient, which if you've ever failed, an algebra class like i have or whatever coefficients used in math because i do not do math you're already annoyed at this yeah yeah so we got to do math after day one got it so
1: then it gets worse I, yeah i'm not even really gonna begin to explain this but <laughs> basically the top 15 riders in the special stage get to select their starting position okay for the 15th place yeah. rider selects first
0: he says for tomorrow i want to start and he's he names a number between 1 and 15 i want to yeah. start number 5 he says
1: yeah i maybe he just wants to start 15th just to keep it simple a little <laughs> more understandable <laughs> okay so say 15th place says no i'm good with 15th i yeah. want to i want to go 15th mhm so 14th place guy chooses next and he says so he says
0: no i want to start 15th and the organization says okay, 15th, you're not as important as 14th. So now you'll be starting 14th and 14th will start 15th where he wanted to choose.
1: Not exactly. 15th is not as important. So 14th gets to start 15th. That's what I meant. Okay. And then 15th gets bumped to 14th. Right. So this just keeps going down. Along comes
0: number 13. And he says, no, I want to start 15th. Yeah. And the the FIM says, absolutely you can have 15th because you're more important than number 14 guy and number 15 guy. So now 13 is actually 15. 14 yep. is now 14 and 15 is now 13. He's getting closer to starting first in the grid. Yeah. Poor guy.
1: So all the way down to first place, first yep.
0: place gets to choose
1: last. And he's guaranteed
0: he, whatever spots he gets. He
1: can choose whatever spot he wants and, and he'll get it. They just shuffle everybody down accordingly, accordingly, according to priority of where they finished, which right. If
0: the other way you it could do this seems complicated,
1: and it is. Yeah. But the the reason they do that is so that you can, as the first place rider, you can see where everyone else chooses, so you can understand everyone else's strategy.
0: Yep, it gives you some visibility.
1: Yeah, maybe some guys are like, "I'm going to hang back. I want to be towards the back of the pack." Maybe some other People guys are, are, are like, "I, I want number it. one. I'm, I'm starting first. It's going to be dusty tomorrow. I'm I'm going to lead this thing out." Yep. Uh, also, it's strategy for the coming days. Yeah, it's not about the next day sometimes. Yeah, maybe one guy wants to say, he's like, no, I'm not afraid to start first because I'll lose a little time today. I plan on making it up on day three because I have a little inside information and I
0: know that- I know day three is going to be really sandy and I want to start in the back. I'm going to chase you in day three.
1: And then that's going to set me up for the rest of the rally. So all these strategies are, you know, Yep, there. But in the end, all that stuff just goes out the window as soon as the race I love that starts. part of this.
0: I love that part of the race. Everybody we talked to before, that we talked to Johnny Campbell, Ricky Brabeck, Andrew Short, and Skyler, and Toby, and they all said the same thing to me. They're all like, yep. yeah, it's nice to have a strategy. And we have like some ideas, but we know they're all crap, and they're going to go away. And we have to go day by day, race by race, special stage by special stage. The other way they could have cleaned that up is just have the first guy go first. But again, you wouldn't see everybody else's strategy that way. You wouldn't have the visibility. All the cards wouldn't be on the table, so to speak. Exactly. So that's the benefit of, of winning the prologue or winning the, the first stages. You know what have. I like about this? is You could bluff people with your stage pick if you're like 10th. You could throw everybody for a loop. Like, you could be a bluffer. Since all the cards are on the table, you could just be like, oh, yeah, I want to be first. And be like, what's wrong with that crazy guy? Why does he want yeah. to be first? We don't know what's going on on their team. And just have everybody in a tizzy just to kind of mess with everybody's heads. Because, as we said, in day five, yeah. those start positions it might happens, not matter at all. If
1: it's a guy like like
0: Kevin Benavides, returning
1: yeah. champion, he could just throw everyone for a loop. Yeah. No, nope, I'll, I'll start first.
0: Or if you're a team That's like yes. Honda that has, you know, Joan Beretta who has won a million Dakar stages, and you have Ricky Brayback who is in and yeah. Nacho who I mean, was in present last year and Joan's like I'll go first try to catch me
1: yeah. <laughs>
0: and everybody's like oh shit
1: i don't know if we can catch him i mean Ricky did it last year he went out he yeah. came out swinging he won the prologue and then you know he ended up losing time yeah in the first in the first stage so
0: yep we'll it's, see. it's it's going to be awesome that's why i love it man that's cool don't forget uh day uh, 1A, 1B, that's technically, 1B is technically the first day of racing. Uh, stage two and three are marathon. So this this whole concept thing is throwing people right into the marathon. Then after the marathon is the longest stage of the rally at 465K yep. of time. So complicated starting thing that may or may not have some drama or strategy involved or it might not be a non-issue. Then one day of racing, then marathon, marathon, longest day of the race. <laughs> <laughs> the I think, first week's going to be crazy. I think
1: the summary is, yeah, exactly. The, the, the first week of this race is going to be crazy and it's going to turn everybody's strategy on its head. And we're going to go into rest day completely, completely different than where they were in the beginning.
0: Yep. Rest day is after stage six. So by the first week of this race, we're going to have a lot to talk about on rest day. I'm probably going to have to have a recap show there. Um, uh, what else should we talk about on a pre-race show
1: gosh I don't know I mean we've covered a lot of this stuff it's yeah. the uh, riders
0: are important the teams I'm just are important excited for the race to start I know me too to all this crap we're talking about to actually start happening I think the KTM uh, a they got new riders on their team but the new bike is going to be really interesting yeah it looks it's a radically different bike it's not slightly changed you yep. can say that right
1: yeah yeah it's completely different brand all new, new. ground up
0: ground up so that's going to be interesting for everybody. Um, I don't know. I mean, I think Honda's going to be uh, tough to beat. Still, should we put you on the spot? And, and yeah, yeah, let's say, let's put me on the spot pick, before the race starts. Right now, pick before a winner. The race starts pick a winner and before the race gonna, starts. We're hold you to this. I don't think coming into the Dakar with a brand new bike is a great plan. I think if I am putting my money on somebody coming out of this race, they're going to be on a Honda as a winner, based on the last two years. Um, and based on the last race and based on the fact that that bike is just proven it's fast enough, handles well enough, has enough gas in it and it can win. And plus it has Ricky Nacho and with a support team of like Quintanilla and Bereda, that's a tough team to beat. I mean, Nacho could have won the race last year easily, not easily. It's not an easy race to win. All four of them could have won the race. (laughs) Yeah, they were all there. They were all there and, you know, a lot of other teams had issues, but, um, I don't know. I'm going to have a hard time not just being an ass and picking Honda right now. Cause it seems easier. I didn't ask what bike is going to ask <laughs> what rider was going to win. I'll just say uh Ricky. Okay. Ricky's going to win. I mean,
1: it, you know, shooting in the dark, like we are, I'd say that's a pretty, pretty good bet. Wow. A, compliment fellow, on fellow my, American here. Yeah.
0: Compliment from Quinn Cody. We're uh, breaking new ground this year.
1: I, I mean, I have a hard time. I, you know, do get my paycheck from an Austrian company and you know, that's what I do. And so yep. here comes the bias. I couldn't, I, I just, I don't think I could pick a Honda to win. So no, <laughs> um, <laughs> it's, it, it's tough because Ricky is, I mean, amazingly strong writer and yeah. really well-practiced. He's got. Uh, he's got a great team this year. He's got good people around him. And so that's, that's a strong, strong pick.
0: Um, that's what it's going to take to win but that was almost out the door after yeah, two, could, stage two stage two last year. Happen. So, you
1: know, anything can happen. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm scared to even pick, I'm, I'm going to kind of go, go a little different route and, you know, go for a guy who maybe normally you wouldn't, you wouldn't call an underdog, but he's been off the radar, been a little bit injured and maybe doesn't have a lot of seat time. But I think, you know, for this particular guy, yeah. it's not always a bad thing. Uh, so I, i'm gonna i'm gonna go with toby price i'm gonna say that you know he's gonna wear everyone down i think he's got enough experience now he's a big boy he can handle the bike doesn't he's doesn't stress out too much about setup and other things that he's not used to so um you know i think he's the i think he's the toughest guy in the field and so we're gonna see uh we're gonna see him go
0: yeah after his interview that's a pretty good bet too he's uh I'd say, what do you say? He was ninety five percent healthy. Yeah, his shoulder issue last year, uh, yeah, and I a couple think he's, of surgeries he's going
1: in, still a little bit injured.
0: But yeah, you know, he's a little it, tender in some spots. I mean, he started the race with a broken wrist before and won. Yeah, so he's never lived that. What's, down. Little
1: sh- what's a little shoulder injury, right?
0: I don't know. It's it's a really dumb idea to predict who's going to win the Dakar Rally. You know, three yeah. days before the race starts, or however many days it is now. But we're going to do it every day, probably. It's gonna be freaking cool. I wouldn't be surprised if a hero bike is up there mixing it up in some classification standings as well. I don't think we'll have some of the rental guys, the you know, uh, Xavier de Saultre, that guy was up there fighting sometimes. We're gonna have, you know, Stefan Svitko finished seventh overall last year. He's probably racing on another yeah. rental bike. He's done fifty five Dakars or something, or For five thousand sure. or however many he's done. It's a lot. There's gonna be um, I mean
1: we've got you know the young young
0: American Mason Klein he's yep what was he
1: 19 or 20 years old now maybe I think he's, he's like
0: 18 we to be the youngest. I have his phone number yeah. we have to call him for an interview to clarify how old he is but he's the youngest motorcycle competitor yep in Dakar history so in 44 years of racing yeah
1: if he gets a finish he will be the youngest to finish I believe so
0: right so uh really talented desert racing kid got some good experience he's got some good you know practicing under his belt yeah, I mean, he's, he's been, been racing really well and
1: you know he's been kind of hanging close with skyler and learning learning the tricks and doing everything that uh he needs to do to you know get there so the good
0: guy doesn't hang by see. if you're if you're looking for americans to root for mason andrew short skyler house ricky Brayback, those yep. are the guys on bikes yeah, it's pretty
1: awesome to see that many guys. I know, yep. you know, a few years ago, there, 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 was a time where there were there were no Americans in the rally. Yeah, so yeah. It's, a couple it's dark cool years see, there. Uh, yeah, it's cool to see everybody back at
0: it. Yeah, and we got three real contenders for top positions. You know, with those guys. So, let's get to it. We're about an hour into the show, and we're going to shut her down because, um, you know, it's still Christmas season. Yep. Merry Christmas, everybody. Uh, we will see you soon. Another shout out to Climb for being our title sponsor this year. The Climb Dakar Rally Daily Show. I'm Jesse Ziegler. And I'm Quinn
1: Cody, and we're uh, signing off. We're out of here. Later.